0: This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. I'm really excited that I get to be here for this week. I love it project. I feel jealous getting down here. All of you are so tan. Like, you can tell, you I'm sitting at the pool for a couple of weeks, and I've been sitting in an office in Minnesota, so I have some catching up to do, but it's really good to be down here. Um, Like Ari said, uh, I wanted to talk about emotional health and emotional awareness this morning um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, One is that I just, in my counseling work, like Ari said, I work as a mental health therapist, and I've just seen in my counseling work how important it is for our mental health and our relational health to have emotional awareness, how big of a deal that is, and um, mental health disorders, mental health struggles like um, depression and anxiety are very complicated puzzles. There's all kinds of pieces and factors that go into understanding mental health disorders, so I'm not going to focus on specific mental health struggles today, although that's something that I would love to talk to you about more if you have questions. Um, but I do think that this emotional health piece is actually a um, really huge factor in mental health. So I hope that it does feel helpful to you um, if you're interested in that. Uh, but the other piece is that I think emotional awareness is um, very important for our spiritual growth, which that's why you're all here, I assume, that you come to Summer Training Project because you want spiritual growth and spiritual formation in your life. And um, I've just found that emotional awareness really enhances spiritual growth, and that um, a lack of emotional awareness can kind of limit our spiritual growth in some ways. So I'm going to talk a lot more about that as we go. How I think those two things are related to each other. So, um, I want to start by just starting off with a spectrum of tendencies that I see in um, how people relate to their emotions. So you can put up the next slide. Um, this is two extremes on the spectrum. So probably most of you would find yourself maybe not all the way to one extreme or the other, but I just wanna talk about it as a spectrum with two extremes, with on the one side, having people who maybe are naturally more expressive feelers, and on the other side, people who are more rational thinkers. Um, So an expressive feeler, this is someone who maybe gets um, Easily just feels a lot, feels big emotions. Maybe it tends to get swept up in their emotions or just expresses them a lot. Um, this is a person who may tend to validate feelings over logic. Like they make sense of their world through their feelings, they make decisions based on what feels right to them. Um, this is a person who, when they're feeling big emotions, might tend to get kind of overwhelmed by them or maybe have big reactions with them. Um, And in relationships, they may find themselves um, easily expressing their emotion to others, maybe sometimes even kind of accidentally stealing or dumping their emotions onto other people. So that's, like I said, one extreme of being an expressive feeler. And then on the other end, what I'm saying, calling rational thinkers. So this is the person who maybe tends to stuff their emotions down more. Um, Or maybe just isn't even aware of emotions. Like maybe you can't remember the last time you cried, or just like don't feel a lot. Um, This is a person who might tend to validate logic or self-control over feelings. Um, So again, they are making sense of their world with logic, they're making decisions based on logic, and feelings might feel kind of weak or silly or um, sinful or shameful to them. Um, This person might, when they are feeling something, get kind of numb. Instead of getting like overwhelmed by it, they might just get kind of numb to what they feel. Um, And they might not have big reactions in the moment, but they will react later. Um, The person who tends to be this way actually is more prone to having like panic attacks or anger outbursts or burnout that might seem to kind of come out of the blue um, because it happens later. And then in relationships, this person um, they tend to keep their emotions more hidden. If they are feeling something, they're not going to go, like, cry with a friend about it. They're probably going to go, like, be by themselves, process it on their own. So these are two extremes. Um, and I'm just curious for you to just reflect for a second of where you would put yourself on this spectrum. Um, or which side you relate to more. So just think about that for a second. Which of those sides um, you resonate more with? And what we're going to talk about today is that I don't believe that either end of the spectrum, either extreme, um, is wise, ultimately. Neither side reflects the way that God or Jesus really model emotions in the Bible. And I think living in either of these extremes um, limits our ability to maturely love others um, and to know God. We're going to talk a lot more about that. So. Um, the two things that I want to talk about today, one, I want to try to persuade you that God designed our emotions as valuable signals. Um, and I want to talk about how we can learn to steward our emotions wisely. So um, let's talk about how God designed our emotions as valuable signals. Um, first, I just want to look at an example of how signals work. So think about the dashboard on a car. What kind of information do we get from the dashboard? What kind of warnings or signals do we get from the dashboard? Check engine light. What else? Takes empty. Takes empty. What going else? Going too slow. What's that? It's going too slow. <laughs> going too slow. Anything else? Tire pressure. Tire pressure, yeah. All these important things. So what could happen if we didn't have those warnings on our car? <laughs> Problems wouldn't happen. <laughs> Wrong answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> what happens if we don't have a dashboard? Those warnings. No more mm-hmm. What's that? There's no more car. <laughs> no more car. What else? Uh-huh. Has anyone ever not been paying attention and you like end up stranded because you ran out of gas? I have done this. Has anyone, has anyone ever not been watching your speedometer and got pulled over because you're going to Yes. Okay, so the warnings on our car um, are valuable because they have an important function. Like, no one ever went to buy a car and is like, eh, dashboards are kinda cool, but I don't think I really need one. Like, we all need a dashboard in our car because it helps it to run smoothly, helps us take care of our car, obey the laws, stay safe. Um, so, in the same way, Our emotions are valuable because they have an important function. My argument for the the value of emotions isn't just like, emotions are valid, whatever you feel matters just because. It's actually like because it has an important function in the way that God wired our brains and our bodies to work. It seems like emoting, having emotions is kind of a necessary part of being human. Um, so, we would do well to understand why these emotions exist and what they are signaling to us. So, I just want to go through three feelings, three emotions, and talk about what I mean here, that they have this function of signaling important messages to us. So, I'm going to talk about sadness, fear, and anger. Um, which I realize that if you tend to be more of the expressive feeler, it'll probably be easier for you to think about times that you felt sad, fearful, and angry. Um, if you tend to be more on the thinker side, it might be hard for you to even like think of examples of when you felt sad, and maybe you'll have to come back to some of this um, to reflect on it with more time to do that. But um, So let's start with sadness. Sadness is a signal that something needs to heal. Sadness tells you you've lost something important to you. Um, Jesus felt sadness. There's a few places we see this in the Bible, but there's a story in John 11 where Lazarus, who's a dear friend of Jesus, dies. And we're told that Jesus was grieved by this. And then Jesus goes to be with Lazarus' sisters, and they're grieving. And Jesus, again, it's, he's so moved, and he weeps with them. And the thing that I find so interesting about that story is that five minutes later, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So it's not like Jesus' tears aren't like hopelessness or helplessness. But he's grieving the loss of someone that was dear to him, that was important to him. And so even though he knows he's going to fix it, he still just makes the space to, like, cry with his friends and grieve and it. Um, so I want you to just pause for a second. We're not going to take a ton of time here, but just pause for a second and reflect on a time that you have felt sad. It could be a big sad or it could just be sort of a daily disappointment. But just, just try to identify a time that you felt sad. And as something comes to mind, just notice what was the loss? What was needing to heal? And I want you to think, how does sadness usually feel in your body? Which may seem like a weird question, but I ask it because emotions aren't just like this abstract feeling. Emotions are, felt in our bodies the way that god wired our brains and bodies and nervous system to be all connected we feel emotions in our body um so how does sadness usually feel in your body usually um, just like a fever tells us that something is wrong or sick or infected in our body um, sadness tends to make us feel heavy and slow And it kind of draws attention that something needs some care. It makes so much sense to me in um, such a broken world where there are so many sources of pain and so many sources of loss that God and his goodness would wire us with this sadness signal, with feelings and emotions and sensations in our body that let us know when there's something hurting that we need to bring to him for healing and for comfort. So this is what sadness is often signaling to us. So let's go to fear. Fear is a signal that your safety feels threatened. Your mind or body senses danger and is trying to warn you. Um, we hear a lot about fear in the Psalms. David prays a lot about his fears. Um, and I think when David is prayed in the Psalms, these are like prayers of faith. Like, these are models of how we can bring our fear um, to God. Just one example of many is in Psalm 55, where there's some really extreme language. David says, his heart is in anguish. The terrors of death have fallen upon him. Fear and trembling come over him. Horror overwhelms him. Like, he's very afraid, and there's a lot of threats that David um, has faced. So that makes sense. So I want you to Pause. And again, just reflect on a time that you felt afraid, you felt really anxious. And as you're thinking of something that makes you feel afraid, just notice what was threatened. What was your fear signaling to you? And then notice, again, how does fear usually feel in your body? What are your physical cues that you're afraid or anxious? Usually, our brain, when it senses some kind of threat, it goes into threat mode and it tells your body to fight, to flee, or to freeze, um, which are all these survival strategies that our body has, taking both fear and anxiety. Again, it makes sense to me that in a broken world where there are so many ways that our stability and our safety can be threatened, Um, it makes sense that God would wire us with a fear signal and with feelings and sensations that it's like a built-in alarm system (laughs) that our body has um, that helps us detect when we're feeling unsafe, when we're feeling vulnerable and we're needing God's help or protection. Um, So this is what fear is often signaling to us. So last one, I just want to go to anger. Anger is a signal that something feels wrong or hurtful. Anger tells you that something seems unfair or an expectation is unmet. Um, Jesus was angry. Um, There's a story in Mark 11 where Jesus goes into the temple, and he gets righteously angry. We know that Jesus, as a perfect human, everything that he felt was perfect, untainted by sin, and he gets angry because God's house was wrongly misused. Um, so I want you to pause and reflect on a time that you got angry. Again, it could be a big anger, or it could just be a small irritation, but just think of something that has made you angry. And as something comes to mind, just notice what seemed unfair, or what expectation was unmet. Try to think about how does anger usually feel in your body, in your physical cues. Usually, when we're angry, our body gets sort of a surge of Um, energy or sort of this drive to fight back or set a boundary and just so you know anger sometimes it comes out with sort of this like hot energy like it's like aggressive um, sort of a fighting back or defensive or against someone Uh, but a lot of times anger actually is more of a cold energy more like um withdrawing or sort of stonewalling, turning away from someone. So anger can feel either kind of hot and aggressive or cold and withdrawing. Both are anger. Anger, the other important thing to say about anger is that um, in psychology we call it a secondary emotion. So anger is sometimes a signal that you have some vulnerable emotions hiding under the surface. Um, things like sadness or shame or insecurity or um, helplessness um, that are kind of kind of like a volcano. It's like it's all like boiling under the surface, and eventually, just if it's undealt with, kind of gets to this pressure point where like it comes out. It explodes as anger. So if you find yourself angry a lot or irritable a lot, there could be a number of reasons for that. But it might not just be that you're angry about like. that that person said to you in a situation that feels really irritating, it might be that what's really hurting is kind of inside you, (laughs) that maybe you've been neglecting um, all of these other emotions that are under the surface, and so they're boiling over. So sometimes anger is a signal that there's more emotions hiding under the surface. if we don't learn, so I'm, I've given you, I know I'm kind of running through this just briefly talking about sadness and fear and anger, which are all complicated emotions, but if we don't learn how to slow down and read these signals, like the warning lights coming on in our dashboard, um, they will get louder. They don't just go away. As much as every time that a warning light comes on in my car, and sometimes illogically, I'm really like, I just keep driving here to go off. Um, but that doesn't happen. So if we don't learn to read these signals, they will get louder. And one consequence of um, neglecting these emotions or these signals is that we all find um, unhealthy coping strategies when we don't know how to navigate an emotion. Um, So you can go to the next slide. Unhealthy coping strategies are just any behavior that temporarily relieves the intensity of what you feel without actually addressing what you feel. So this would be like if you were driving your car down the road and um, smoke starts coming out of the hood. Like clearly something is wrong. (laughs) Um, You're probably going to feel concerned that smoke is coming out of your car. Uh, But instead of pulling over and popping the hood or pulling over and calling a mechanic to get help or just getting out of your car, you pull over and stop at Dairy Queen. And you get yourself an ice cream cone and for a few minutes, Life feels really good, because you're enjoying an ice cream cone and it tastes good. Um, but as soon as you're done, it's it's done nothing to actually address the issue, which is that your car is on fire. Um, so this is kind of like what we do with unhealthy, unhealthy coping strategies, when we're feeling an emotion, um, and we don't know how to navigate it. Either we get swept up in it, or we might just try to like numb it and cut it off. We don't know what, how to navigate it wisely. We will often turn to um, numbing ourselves out with TV or Netflix, um, spending hours endlessly scrolling on our phones, um, watching pornography, all kinds of addictive behaviors, emotional eating, staying busy, like always just having the next person in, and the next task and the next thing to go to and never slowing down, and a whole host of other, hopefully, um, those things are maybe even um, sparking you to think of maybe some other coping strategies that you might have in your life of like behaviors that you turn to for temporary relief because we are very creative there's all kinds of ways um, that we find to get temporary relief when we don't know how to navigate what we feel. And you can probably see as I list some of those coping strategies how easily they gear into sin patterns. Like how often our sin is paired with Um, emotional escape. Um, So I just wanna make a distinction. In the way that I'm thinking about it, um, the underlying emotion is not wrong. It's the choices we make and the reflexes we have to deal with the emotions in our own way, in unhealthy and ungodly ways. That's the problem. Um, So loneliness, for example, Loneliness isn't a rejection of God. We see all over the Bible people who were lonely and expressed that to God, and God loves to meet us in that. So loneliness isn't a rejection of God, um, but turning to pornography for relief from loneliness is. Um, or fear, fear isn't innately a rejection of God. It's kind of a normal human response to our vulnerability. But escaping to hours on TikTok to numb out our anxious thoughts and feelings, that might be um, a refusal to face God with your anxiety. Um, So this is where I think that having the courage to actually turn toward the emotion, learning to read these emotional signals that God has given us is really important and it it leads us back to God. Um, Some people get maybe nervous that emotional awareness or learning to listen to these cues might just be kind of selfish or might become this navel-gazing and just always looking inside myself kind of thing. And that is not the point of emotional awareness. Um, Learning to face our emotional experiences that are just wired into us as humans actually should help us to to stop turning to all these other things for temporary healing and comfort and relief, Um, And instead, it opens us up to be able to vulnerably meet with God and be met by him. So it shouldn't just draw us into ourselves and end there where all we do is think about our emotions and how we are gonna fix or deal with our emotions. These signals, learning to listen to our sadness and our fear and our anger and all our other emotions, Actually helps draw attention to the areas in our lives where we need His healing, where we need His forgiveness, where we need His help. So it should draw us back to God. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. So um, I've been trying to persuade you or ask you to consider that emotions are valuable signals that God has measured into us. Um, so if these signals are so important to recognize, then what do we do with these emotions? (laughs) Once you have noticed that you're feeling something, how do you wisely navigate that? Um, So, uh, my second point is just that we can learn to steward our emotions wisely. And I want to come back to this spectrum. At the beginning, we talked about people who are naturally more expressive feelers versus rational thinkers living on kind of one extreme or the other. Um, and I think that what's wise is to become a wise steward of our emotions. Which I put on top. So a wise steward of emotions is someone who's able to engage with their emotions, explore them, understand them, and able to step outside of them to gain perspective. Not get stuck inside of them. Wise steward is someone who is able to invite others into emotions, able to express them, able to share them, and not driven to impulsive reactions with their emotions. Why steward is someone who um, recognizes and honors emotions as part of God's design. Like I said, no one gets a car without a dashboard and no human um, is without the experience of emotions. So they honor that and recognize it as part of God's design and hold God's word as authority. Our emotions don't rule the day. Um, God's word gives us truth and we submit to that, which we're gonna talk more about. So I think that one of um, the best examples I can think of of this sort of wise stewarding and balance is um, one of my favorite moments in history, or moments in the Bible, is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and we're told that um, as he is about to face his death, like he knows what's coming, And not just that he's about to be crucified, but that he's about to be separated from his father and take on the punishment of the world. And he is in anguish, he goes to pray, and he is um, in turmoil. Um, And he goes to pray, (laughs) he goes to express these intense emotions to his father. So it seems that Jesus, as he's a human and he's um, experiencing these deep emotions, he is expressing them to God, And we get the beautiful prayer where Jesus says, yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus is um, bringing what he feels to his Father and submitting himself and faithfully obeying um, to his Father, which is just a perfect model, I think, for that is what I want my life to reflect, (laughs) that I can um, interact with God in that uh, that level of honesty and that level of obedience. So, for the last um, few minutes here, I just want to give hopefully more practical steps about how to intentionally grow towards this emotional awareness and health. Um, Because it's not just something that happens, (laughs) like anything else, like growing in any other way. It's something that takes some intentionality for us to grow with. Um, So, I just have a few points on um, growing in our emotional awareness. You can go to the next slide. So first, I want to talk about just learning to explore emotions, um, learning to get sort of curious and understand these signals better. Um, so first, just learn to identify feelings. That might sound super uh, simple or obvious, but um, learn to identify feelings. There's a phrase in psychology where we say, name it to tame it. Um, and I could tell you more about the brain science of this, but literally there's something about being able to label an emotion, being able to like put a name to what you feel, that actually helps um, helps regulate that emotion in your brain and body. It's like it brings both the emotional centers of your brain and kind of the thinking centers of your brain online together, so that you can process it well. So, name it to tame it, learn to identify or put a label on what you feel. Um, And if you've never seen a feelings wheel before, hopefully most of you have, but if not, this is a whole array, a whole range of emotions. Um, A lot of us, even though I'm a therapist and I like help other people draw out their emotions all day, I still can get to the end of the day and be like, what do I feel? Like not know how to label my own um, emotions. And so a lot of times we just need help kind of learning the language of feelings. And a feelings wheel is a great way Um, to just slow down and check in. So maybe it's like, I don't know, at some point in your week, or you go for a walk, or um, maybe some of you like to journal, or maybe when you check in with a friend, or a mentor, um, just find some routines in your life to like, slow down, check in, and see if you can label um, your feelings. That's a really good start. Um, And if it helps you to notice your physical experience of feelings, because our emotions are embodied. for me, I know now, <laughs> I was not always aware of this, but I know now that when I wake up in the morning and my heart is already pounding, I know immediately, okay, I think I'm feeling kind of anxious about something. And it's just a cue that helps me like slow down and pause or pray and kind of like pull the car over and try to figure out what's, what's wrong. Um, Second thing, catch your coping strategies. Um, so start learning to ask yourself, what am I turning to for temporary relief? Um, If you are noticing unhealthy or ungodly patterns in your life, um, obviously first run to Jesus for grace. Like when you turn to something besides him, um, it exposes a need for repentance in your life. And so um, repent, run to Jesus, confess your sins, and be faithful to forgive you. Um, But if you keep noticing these patterns, I would just encourage you also to start to get curious about what emotions you might be learning from. Um, And this is where I think that learning to explore our emotions can um, actually help us to pursue holiness because it helps us to understand ourselves better and the processes that are happening inside of us so that it, it kind of helps us in changing sin patterns. Not in our own power. We run to Jesus for help with that, but this awareness can um, help us in pursuing holiness. So learn to catch your coping strategies. Explore how your story impacts your faith. Um, I've found for myself and for many Christians that we know what is true. Um, Things like we know that God is good, we know that God is a father. Um, But then we struggle to experience or to feel um, what is true. So there's sort of this gap between what we know and what we feel. Um, and if you notice that kind of gap in your life, um, my guess is that there might be some experiences in your life that have shaped how you feel, that are are kind of getting you stuck in what you feel so that it can't match what you know to be true. So for example, for many people there are experiences in your family um, or significant events in your life that have impacted you. So things in your story that are kind of limiting your ability um, for you to feel um, in line with what you know. So we go to the Bible for truth, for um, knowing about God, and I just really strongly believe that I've experienced so much in my own life that learning to explore our emotions and processing our stories can help us to believe that truth with our whole self. Um, so then listen for other people's feelings. Um, like I said, the point of emotional awareness is not all about just you and knowing you better. It's about going to God, but it's also about relating well with other people. So learn to listen for other people's feelings. If you want to get better at loving people, well, um, Bible calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So to do that, I think we have to have some awareness of um, emotions. So, practice not only identifying your own feelings, but practice listening for other people's feelings. And I loved um, that quote. Someone mentioned it yesterday in the um, article that Chase shared. Um, the quote that behind every question is a statement, and behind every statement is a feeling. And I just thought, what a cool motivation to learn to get better at exploring our emotions! It could help you. Not only love someone well, but help you have more persuasive gospel conversations when you know how to hear a feeling in someone else and engage that with them. So I just thought, what a what a cool reason to explore our emotions. Um, and then pray. Pray your feelings to God. Um, you don't have to have your feelings all figured out. The Psalms, I think, are a great model of this that David often comes with, like, emotions that are not all resolved or figured out, and as he prays them to God, as he brings God into conversation with those emotions, um, that's that's how he kind of brings God into the conversation and finds resolution. So just start praying your feelings to God. And again, this is where I think that emotional awareness enhances our spiritual growth so much, because I can speak for myself that um, learning to pray my feelings to God has transformed my faith from just sort of a um, intellectual, like, I'm learning about God to, like, he knows me, and I know him, and I trust him. Um, So I think it really opens up opportunities for a far more intimate um, connection with God when you're willing to slow down to explore what you feel. And then the last thing in this journey of um, growing in emotional awareness and learning to steward our emotions, well, we don't only explore our emotions, we also need to learn to lead our emotions. Um, so I've said a lot about like learning to listen, learning to explore, um, but to go back to the car metaphor, the dashboard is necessary because it gives us these important signals and warnings that help keep our car running smoothly. Um, But the dashboard doesn't give us the map. (laughs) The dashboard doesn't tell us where to drive. Um, So we need a map to give us perspective on our feelings and to guide us toward wise responses and wise actions in what we feel. Um, So process your emotions with community to gain perspective. I can't tell you how many times I have been feeling something and I just haven't been seeing the whole truth of it or haven't been able to see get perspective until I talk to someone else who is wise and who can draw me out and who can remind me of what's true um, and apply truth to me and my heart and where I am. So don't do this whole thing alone. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully you have wise friends and mentors in your life who you can go to to process and gain perspective and and wisdom on how to leave your emotions well. And then the last thing, which is very, very important last point is to go to God's word for guidance. Like I said before, our emotions um, are valuable signals and God has wired them into our brains and bodies, but they don't have the authority that God's word has. They don't don't tell us the truth all of the time. And so um, go to God's word for guidance. Let God's word help you to speak back to your emotions with truth and show you Um, How to wisely respond. So um, I put here to go to God's word and to invite both comfort and conviction. And what I mean is that, um, for example, as you are processing sadness, if you're noticing you're feeling sad, you've kind of explored that, you've noticed the losses um, that you're feeling or what needs to heal, sometimes you will go to God's word and you will need comfort. You will need the Psalms to help you lament and mourn your losses. You will need um, promises and reminders about God's love for you and that he is with you in your pain, that he brings comfort. Um, But sometimes you you will go to God's word with your sadness and you will need God to challenge you. You'll need him to challenge the things or the people that you were clinging so tightly to for your happiness um, so that you were crushed when you lost them. So sometimes God's word will um, challenge you to find your ultimate joy and hope and comfort in him instead of the things that you were so sad to lose. Um, In your fear. Sometimes when we're afraid and we listen to these cues and we're healing anxiety, um, sometimes we need to go to God's word and we just need promises that he's with us. We need to remember that he's in control and he's sovereign. Um, in 1 Peter 5, you haven't gotten there yet, but he says to cast all anxieties on him because he cares for us. That's the reason that we go to him, because he cares for us. There's beautiful promises that we need for comfort in our fear. Um, but sometimes in your fear, you'll go to God's word and be challenged. Um, challenged about the things that you have found your security in, like how people view you, or how much money you're going to make, or how your grades are doing Um, God will, um, in his goodness, expose these false sources of security um, and maybe use your fear as a way to expose that and change that in your heart. Um, Sometimes God will even ask you to move toward threat, to face fear in obedience to him um, and redefine where your security truly comes from. Um, And lastly, with anger. Anger. Um, sometimes in our anger we need reassurance that God is just, that God will make wrong right and we comfort in that. But sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes God will expose your entitlement or um, your unfair expectations of people that sparked your anger in the first place. Sometimes He'll ask you to forgive your enemies, which is a radical way to handle anger. Um, so go to God's word and you can expect that you will find both comfort for your emotions and that God will challenge them. And by exploring your emotions, you will both know him more deeply in his comfort and know yourself, um, and the ways that you need to run to the gospel for help more deeply as well. So, um, that's all that I have. I know that's a lot of information and this is a big Topic. I honestly had trouble even kind of synthesizing everything that I wanted to say about emotions because it's just a big, <laughs> lifelong learning topic and I don't have it all figured out either. But um, I really would love to talk more if this sparks any questions in any of you. Um, if you have more questions about how these things are related to um, our spiritual life and faith. If you have questions about how are these things related to mental health and struggles. Um, even if you're just like studying in the field of psychology or social sciences and are interested in like, how do these things connect? I just I would love to um, spend time or talk more with any of you. So um, if you want to go, I'm just am going to throw out my phone number. Obviously, I'm going to be here for the next month, so you can, or the next week. So you can feel free to just um, stop me. I'd love to have a meal, sit by the pool, go for a walk. But if you aren't able to catch me, I wanted to put my number up here too. I would really love to connect with any of you if you have any more questions. You'd like to talk through. So um, let me just pray for us and then I think we a couple. You know. um, Father, I thank you um, that you have wired our brains and our bodies with the ability to feel. I thank you for the, the gift that that is, for the ways that we um, connect with you, the ways we experience beauty, the ways we connect with other people through our emotions. Um, and even for the ways that our emotions help us to process the brokenness of this world. Um, so I pray that we would, all of us, that we would grow in our awareness of this gift that you've given us to feel, and I pray that we would steward it wisely, that we wouldn't um, get stuck in our emotions without the ability to go to your word, um, or that we would just cut them off, <laughs> and deny them. Um, but that we would really wisely um, come to you, invite other people in, explore our emotions, be curious about our stories, and um, I pray that you would help us all more and more to reflect Jesus um, in loving people well, um, in honestly coming to you, and in faithfully obeying and surrendering to you. So I pray for your help and all these things. Pray um, you give us a good rest of our day to enjoy you and each other pray Jesus in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.